Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Let's look at what's been going on this week south of the border and what a wild week it has been uh, for this new president. And the the week started off pretty good for Donald Trump with this uh, speech to a joint session of Congress where it it seemed to be a very different tone from Donald Trump, Uh, striking a really positive and optimistic tone, a speech that at least according to the polls that were done after went over really well. And, you know, in the immediate aftermath of that speech, there wasn't much from the president on Twitter, for example. And maybe it did mark a a new tone, at least. Maybe nothing different in terms of policy. And I think certainly what you heard in that speech was uh, in keeping with the kinds of policy issues that that Trump has been focused on. It wasn't a policy pivot, but it did seem like a a change in tone. Well, uh, things have kind of gone sideways since then for him, with his uh, new attorney general having to recuse himself from uh, any further investigation uh, into contacts with Russia after it emerged that he himself had had contacts last year with the Russian ambassador and had maybe not been upfront about it during his confirmation hearings. Right, so not only is there this, this problem of appearance in that there are now numerous uh, Trump campaign officials who have had these contacts with Russian officials, and the Russian ambassador in particular, which maybe in and of itself is not anything sinister, but it's the secrecy around it. It's though they've got something to hide. They're not admitting this until it's uncovered by somebody else. So the Russia problem has reared its head once again for this president, and uh, he's certainly back in full swing on, on Twitter today trying to troll some some top Democrats on this. Anyway, joining us for some thoughts, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Michael Taub. He's a syndicated columnist uh, with Troy Media, a uh, contributor to the Washington Times, and, of course, a former speechwriter for Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so what do you make of uh, the, the ups and downs of Donald Trump's week? I think you explained it pretty well. I mean, it certainly started out really, really well in the sense that the speech that he did, his first address to Congress, went far better than I think a lot of expected. And overall, it was a really exemplary speech. He did, you know, it hit all the right tones, all the right notes. It had empathy. It talked about the issues involving Americans, using the phrase we, the term we instead of I, which he, obviously Trump has been using quite a lot the past couple of years, as in I am, you know, I know better than everyone else, et cetera, et cetera. This was an example of Trump trying to reestablish himself, maybe reboot his image a little bit, and he really acted presidential, and he looked like a leader on the world stage. And it was an important place. I mean, to do it in front of Congress, that is going to be a memorable speech. So a lot of people thought maybe he's turning a corner. Maybe he now finally understands what's going on. Maybe he's going to change his behavior and his ways. And then you're right. Unfortunately, then everything sort of exploded, especially with what happened with the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, which I think is the biggest issue of all, and his, well, It depends what you believe Jeff Sessions actually said. Well, I don't think that it was necessarily perjury in the way that Jeff Sessions 
didn't answer the question specifically, or at least to the point where he explained everything about his association or his meeting with Russian officials, the Russian ambassador, etc., he certainly said enough that he had to basically recuse himself from any further discussions or any further um, examination related to the election of the President of the United States, which was the right thing to do. But that unfortunately caused some damage to the Trump administration. It has naturally made Donald Trump in private very angry. And as you said, he was back to tweeting these, you know, these 3, 3.30 a.m. tweets to sort of try to get a reaction or a rise out of people. So it unfortunately looks like the example of Trump as a world leader is going to be very short-lived. Yeah, well, and you know, maybe that's not a surprise. I don't know, but I, I would agree with you. I was uh, surprised by his speech, and, and it was really the first time I'd seen him uh, act presidential. And yes. I, I thought, you know, I don't agree with some of what they're doing. I don't like this this nationalism and protectionism we're seeing right now. But no, me neither. I uh, agree. But that's fine. I mean, that's that's policy, and and we can agree to disagree on policy. But it was certainly you, you want the the president of the United States to to seem as though. He is the leader of the free world to to seem as though he is presidential, and there was certainly that on on Tuesday night. Oh, absolutely, there was a lot of it, and I think that anybody, whether you like Trump or you hate Trump, it's very. I mean, obviously, there were some people who still just can't stand him, and they couldn't say anything nice about him. But even people on the left, including CNBC, I'm sorry, MSNBC's Chris Matthews, uh, CNN's Van Jones, who's an ex-communist, as you know, and that's <laughs> not just a conservative saying someone's a communist. He really was, and he's been associated with left-wing um, organizations and think tanks for many years. I mean, Jones himself said that this was sort of the, the moment that Trump became president. So there's one of his fiercest critics saying it. So there's no question that on the, the international stage, or even just at home domestically, like he did in Congress, the, this is an example that if Donald Trump follows the script and stays with the narrative as it's been created, he actually handles himself fairly well. And we've mm-hmm. seen that on some other speeches d- uh, during the campaign itself, where if he actually read the notes and said what he was supposed to say and didn't deviate too much from the message, he actually handled himself in a very good way. Unfortunately, the problem is that Donald Trump just can't seem to do it for a prolonged period of time. And this is another example of it. He gets a sort of a detour in the road with Jeff Sessions and other things, and then he just gets furious and he moves in a different direction. And I think this is unfortunately a real problem that his staff have with him. I think it's just very difficult for his family to control it. And who knows? It's hard to say at this stage, Rob. Maybe there's no one who can actually control it. Maybe we're just going to see moments where Donald Trump is on a high and he acts very presidential, and then other times when he acts, say, like the devil incarnate, and we just don't know how to control him. Which is concerning, I suppose. But I uh, think so. Yeah, yeah there, there does seem to be. I mean, I, I think there's kind of a, a thin skin there. He he wants to be liked. There's yeah. maybe some frustration that uh, you know being president is is a difficult job. But because my sense was that, that the way they set up that speech this week was mm-hmm. in response, maybe to concerns uh, about his approval ratings. And and yep. you can say all you want about fake news and phony polls, but I think they're smart enough to realize that that there was a need to address that. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And I, I discussed this on other stations earlier in the week, and I, I, that's exactly the way I've looked at it. He is right now, after his first month, that being Donald Trump, has the lowest approval rating of any president in modern history after 30 days. He was sitting at about, I think, roughly about 39% overall. 
that's exceedingly low. I mean, there's just no way to get about it and to claim, as you say, that it's just fake news and just slough it off. You can't. And I think that behind the scenes, some of his senior advisors, including Kellyanne Conway, Steve Bannon, Jared Kushner, Stephen Miller, most likely, and others, probably huddled together and realize that these numbers are really starting to fade fast. And if he, he's going to start to plummet if we don't at least reboot the campaign or just try to change the channel and correct things. One of the ways they did it early on, it's interesting that we mentioned tweets, is for a period of time, Donald Trump, for about a week or so, barely tweeted at all. He, and whenever he did, it was pretty nonchalant. It wasn't anything that people could take and pick apart. They were just very, very basic tweets, not to get a rise out of people, not to get a reaction, but just to be out there because I think he enjoys doing it. If he would do more of that, Rob, I don't think we would really be talking very much about Donald Mead, uh, Trump and his social media exploits because there wouldn't be anything to talk about. Again, the problem is that he just keeps going back to this. He needs this. He has this feeling where he has to be loved. He has to be respected. He has to be admired. It's something in his psyche, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with him, but it's just something that he desperately needs. And for that reason, when things don't go well for him or when a situation turns on its head and he doesn't know how to handle it, his natural reaction appears to be always to lash out. He can't for some reason control himself, bite his tongue, you know, maybe make a couple witty statements and go from there. He always has to be out in front. He always has to be the aggressor. That's just his style. And I think people are getting more used to it. I certainly am, and I'm sure you are and others are too. We have no choice. We have to get used to it. But, you know, it's something that we've not really seen with a lot of older politicians. It's not something that we've seen with modern politicians by nature. This is just an unconventional politician, if you want to call Donald Trump that. He's just an unconventional person as well. And while there may become more people like him, let's say wannabe Trumps or something like that, I think that really the key to this is if he's going to be a success and if he's going to have a legacy and he's going to have a successful first term and maybe a second, he's got to stop the bleeding. And the only way to stop the bleeding is when you have a great address in Congress, you have to keep acting that way. You have to keep pressing forward in a positive direction. Because the minute you turn negative, yeah, your support base will be happy with you, but the rest of the country and a lot of the international community won't. And those things matter. This Russian thing, Michael, keeps rearing its head. And, you know, maybe these were totally innocent contacts that the Trump surrogates had with Russian officials. Sure. Who knows? Maybe it's worst case scenario and they were all in cahoots uh, to, to influence the election. We don't know. And just, no. you know, the, the secrecy and, and the lack of honesty just makes it look so much worse. But what, what's your sense of how big a problem this is going to be? Well, I agree with a lot of people who've been saying that no matter what interaction the Trump administration or Trump officials, let's say, had with Russia, the chances of it that it changed the course of the election, I, I don't believe it, and a lot of people don't believe it. People who've been associated with the old Bush administration, Clinton administration, that being Bill and others, have sort of come out and said, you know, we don't like what we saw, but we don't also believe that it had that made big an impact. Now... The problem there is that, you know, Russia is just a huge problem for Donald Trump. It's something that's probably going to follow with him for the rest of his first term. And if he's lucky enough to get a second term, it'll probably follow along there. 
And really, he sort of dug his own hole in that way. You know, maybe not him specifically, but a number of people that are associated with him, different sorts of officials and people like Jeff Sessions or Michael Flynn, who used to be the national security advisor, but as you know, left early on because of that. I think, unfortunately, that the ties with Russia are problematic for Trump in general. It'll be problematic for his presidency. It's also going to be problematic if we find that other officials or even possibly other cabinet members have had some sort of interaction with, say, the Russian ambassador or even higher. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how you get around it. There's really no way in politics to spin something like this away because there's too much there. I think what they basically have to continue to do if they're going to hold their ground is continue to ensure the fact that they're just using the lines that Donald Trump said, which is that he wants to make more friends of the world, that America should have more allies and less enemies. And that's the way they can sort of protect themselves a little bit with Russia. But if they keep finding jeff sessions like incidences behind every rock that's going to be a major problem because the first couple maybe you can sweep away with some harm to you but eventually it'll disappear if this just keeps happening over and over and over again it's going to taint his entire presidency and then there's no way around it well, and there's a real frustration. We, we often hear the president uh, speak in very angry tones or tweet in angry tones uh, about leaks. And there's no doubt that people are leaking information. And maybe there, there's, there's something illegal in, in that information being leaked. Maybe. Uh, but there are people out there who are willing to leak that information. Uh, and obviously there's, there's actual information being leaked. So you can't just dismiss the stories as fake news. Uh, this is going to continue to plague him, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're right. It's the same way that if we're going to use the word leak, we'll talk about WikiLeaks briefly. You know, the amount of stuff that WikiLeaks released primarily or virtually on the DNC, the the Democratic Party, and very little on the Republican Party, was obviously detrimental to then, you know, presidential candidate Hillary Clinton and her party in general. Did it necessarily turn the election? No, but it obviously had an impact certainly on some people who were sitting on the fence before Election Day on November 8th last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, look, I mean, unfortunately, there's just a problem in terms of leaks coming out. We also even just hear, unrelated, of leaks coming out uh, about the actual administration. Earlier today, and you may have seen it, I think Political Magazine reported, where they talked about that there was a memo talking about how to prevent further leaks from the Trump White House, and that got leaked. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just no way to avoid this at all. And unfortunately, it just appears as if that the Trump White House is unable to control whatever is being flowed out in information. And, yeah, sometimes these leaks are accidental. People press the wrong button in email. Many of us have had it happen and just get sent the wrong way. But other times it's intentional. Now, obviously, you know, changing the course of an election would be much worse than anything we're talking about, and there's certainly no proof of that, and I don't think there is anything to it. But on the other hand, it is clear that there is a lot of bad stuff that's out there about the Trump White House And we just have to hope and pray to God that there isn't more, because I I don't even know how the media could handle this for another four years or close to four years, because it would just be continual reporting over and over again. I mean, you have CNN, for example, which really should just rename itself because it has the sort of the rolling theme, breaking news every day, 24-7. You know, how many more breaking news items can you actually have, say, in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year? There's just so much information, so much saturation of information coming, about the, uh, coming out about the Trump White House, both positive and negative, both true and false, 
that it will just become almost impossible to figure out what Donald Trump stands for and what his agenda is actually going to be, no matter how many positive things he puts through in terms of legislation, executive orders, and other things. So, yeah, I mean, Russia, unfortunately, is the spark that lit the fire. But there are so many things about this administration that are frustrating, including, as you suggested, certain things economically, too. I have the same issues you do, Rob, with nationalism, protectionism, and even just sort of cracking down on trade deals or trying to adjust them or get rid of them, such as NAFTA, TPP, and others. It's worrisome. I agree with you. I hope for the best, obviously, at the Trump White House. I'm trying to keep sort of a balanced approach on this administration because I think it's the right thing to do. But there are just moments and times when it's very, very difficult to do so. And for other Americans, especially other American commentators, they're just, you know, they're beside themselves because they don't know what to say next because they know the next day something bigger is going to happen. And that seems to be the way it's been for the last, uh, I guess, now about five and a half weeks. Yeah, no kidding. Well, never a dull moment. Uh, Michael, appreciate the insight as always. Thanks so much for joining us here. My my pleasure, Rob. All right, take care. Michael Taub, uh, contributor to The Washington Times, syndicated uh, columnist with Troy Media former speechwriter to uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Uh, very interesting. And, you know, the funny thing with, with WikiLeaks, and I think, you know, it certainly did damage Clinton. Because I think people perceived Hillary Clinton to be, you know, an opportunist, uh, win at all costs, not necessarily an ethical person. And, you know, the WikiLeaks stuff, I think, just kind of entrenched that in the minds of a lot of people. But what was the argument? It's like, well, look, it doesn't matter how WikiLeaks got it doesn't matter where the information came from. Is the information accurate? If it is, well, then Hillary's got some questions to answer. Same thing here. You know, Trump's now the one running around complaining about leaks. You turn around and say the same thing. Well, hang on a second here. Maybe it doesn't matter how they got the story. If it's accurate, then you got some explaining to do. And they can't have it both ways. You can't say, like Trump tried to say, the stories are fake, but the leaks are real. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't make any sense. You can't demand to find the leakers and then claim that the media have fake sources. Again, that just doesn't add up. So there's a real problem for him here, and I think he's the other trying to minimize this problem, but they're going about it in a really weird way. So we'll see. And again, if the stories are fake, why was Michael Flynn fired as national security advisor? Why did Jeff Sessions have to recuse himself from any future Russia investigations? They're getting caught by this stuff. And often the cover-up is worse than the original crime. So why are they so secretive about it? Why are they withholding this information? Why are they only reacting when it's coming out elsewhere? All right. Anyway, 403-974-8255, 974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.